0: Big Fish Small Pod. We're covering the Miguel Rojas contract extension. We'll look back a little bit at uh, Eddie Alvarez, uh, who might make a little more sense now. And we'll try to wrap our heads around this December 1st lockout, or so it appears on the horizon. So um, I'm A.T. Werdahl, this is Big Fish Small Pod. What we're covering today uh, really begins with the news that uh, Miguel Rojas will be in Miami at least through 2023. Uh, Extending his contract, it'll be about like 10 million total for 22 and 23. Jeremy Tache really like said it all on Twitter um, that uh, Miguel Rojas already mentioning how, even if he's not the shortstop long-term, he wants to be the best he can for however long before transitioning to a utility role later in his career. Really what that speaks to is a maturity that the Marlins organization hasn't really had. Um, even like talking back uh, like 2003, like when the Marlins were like at the World Series, like heights, um, it, like it's, it's not like Josh Beckett had his most composed years as a Marlin or uh Mikel Cabrera. Um, both of whom reached, like, career highs uh, elsewhere. This sort of move is, like, something that's distinctly different than the Marlins of the past. Um, so, like, looking at how the Marlins line up now uh, as of today, looking to, like, 2022 uh, contracts, they have about, like, 44 million committed um, including, like, arbitration estimates, um, not including, like, your minimum wage. That's, like, just, like, what the organization has, like, committed to the payroll beyond the bare minimum. Um, we're not, like, sure these are, like, Spock Tracks, tracks numbers, uh, and estimates for arbitration salaries. Obviously, we don't know what, like, Jesus Aguilar, Brian Anderson, Sandy Alcantara might receive. Um, going forward, but like their estimated salaries now, Jesus, uh, expected about 8 million, Brian about four and a half, Sandy about four and a half. Those are your other major salaries, uh, on this Marlins team. As we look to these weeks ahead, uh, we could see them lock in their 2022 or 2023 salary as well. There's, like, real opportunity in these coming weeks to creatively, collaboratively elevate players uh, with a mind for the World Series and, like, committing to the Marlins, like, baseball in Florida. Ahead of, like, a time, it's hard to, like, pause, reset. Really, what we're looking at is this December 1st lockout. Um, Baseball is, like, headed for it, Uh, who, like, knows what it could entail um the writing has like really just like been on the wall uh to recap briefly like some major league teams spend like 120 million more than like a team like the marlins do um and there are like plenty of other teams like the marlins who haven't really committed that much money to players on the field um basically like the the principle is like if you like win uh fans will come um people like baseball people like days out there's like obviously a real argument for enjoying baseball i, I think we can all be on the same page about that um and owners like uh, some are like claiming to be losing money um well like the marlins they've basically had a valuation of $1.2 billion, and it's not clear where these owners could be losing anywhere near that type of money, uh, or if it's about a matter of committing to the roster. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, for example, they like had their Montreal kick this whole, I don't even want to talk about it, but their Montreal kick, it really took the focus off the field. Where they made the playoffs and dominated in the regular season. Well, they were basically like biting at the very idea of baseball in St. Pete um, and simultaneously like letting some players get away. Um, Miguel Rojas uh, stands against that. Well, he also represents the Miami Marlins to the Players Union. Uh, It's hard not to get like high-minded about that because it's like the exact dynamics with the Marlins that... Make us all think they're poised for a breakout, locking in their players up earlier ahead of that. Like, whatever it is, I, like, basically whatever this lockout is, is just it's, you know, it's it's like a, a toxic conflict. Um, if the Marlins can avoid being any part of it, that's absolutely what you want. Um, maybe. Miguel Rojas is a player who's like leading by example among other players. And I think we've like, there's a pretty solid argument that he is. What we're looking at here is hopefully the groundwork for a pivot and commitment to the roster. Uh, like a financial commitment they've already like talked about making We'll see the results pretty soon in the near future. The Rojas contract extension also helps reframe Eddie Alvarez's departure from the organization. On paper, the move didn't really, like, make that much sense why the Marlins would want uh, a player like Eddie Alvarez to get away from the organization. But now knowing um, where we stand as, like, an organization with Miguel Rojas as the, like, potential, like, utility guy of the future. We were looking at a roster spot uh, with Eddie Alvarez that looks like less and less likely to be his. Um, Basically, he was pinched out of the future plan with Miguel Rojas there. And obviously you've got other players there like Bryson Brickman, Jose Devers, um, just to name literally two of about like five or six guys who are in that conversation for the infield of the future as well as your, you know, current infield, it might've been a matter of just really good, transparent conversation between Eddie and Marlon's decision makers. They could've sat him down, looked at the future, determined that like the path forward wasn't the right for him as a, you know, like a person transitioning from another Olympic level career into what he is now with like, from what I understand, like a a wife who's like truly like the breadwinner in the family as like a successful uh, real estate agent. So with him, it makes all the sense in the world that just a good conversation could have led to the path of Eddie Alvarez testing the market as a minor league free agent. And then he could come back around later on to the Marlins in the offseason if, you know, if it just works out like that. There's just in the last day, uh, been a lot of clarity in Marlins decision-making. That, that has a lot of potential to do a lot of good for the most. It sounds like the Marlins are really considering the stakeholders in their decisions. Uh, everyone who could be impacted by it. Uh, appropriately addressing their power going forward. Uh, And that's a really, really optimistic look at where this Marlins offseason could be headed. Tonight, we have Game 3 of the World Series. Luis Garcia versus Ian Anderson at Truist Park in Cobb County, Georgia. Uh, The team from Atlanta is playing against the 2017 champion Houston Astros. Tied one to one. Even if you haven't been watching, it's totally worth your attention that the top of the league has been so stagnant. Uh, with the Dodgers, the Astros, the Red Sox, those are your recent champions. Along with the like your National League East like wild card. A lot of the same teams have been in the World Series, and a lot of those same teams have won it. The Braves, like the Nationals, are another like one-off World Series appearance in this like past five years. Uh, the Rays are too, um, but they certainly figure to be positioned for more. The Braves could be too, and I can't get over the fact that I saw an MLB.com article comparing the World Series teams like position by position, and Adam Duvall was the center fielder uh, of in that conversation as the best center fielder in the World Series, Um, just blows my mind uh, a little bit, just how bat-first the position can be. Anyways, thank you for listening to Big Fish Small Pod. Uh, As always, I've been A.T. Uberdahl,